Welcome. Welcome to another episode of The Impact of AI, sponsored by AI Time Journal and supported by women leaders in data and artificial intelligence. For those of you whom I've not met, my name is Melissa Drew, and I will be your host for this week's episode. Our guest today is Amanda Griffin. She is with Twine AI. Twine AI is a global data collection services for audio and visual raw content, which we will definitely be diving in deeper in the remainder of this episode. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure to be here. I, I learned recently that you have been with Twine AI since its early stages. Mm -hmm. What about the company sparked your interest? Why, why did you join? Well, um, it was it was actually in in the height of the pandemic when when I joined, <laughs> um, and it, essentially I I was externally doing um, and still am doing a psychology degree, um, and I was learning all about theory of mind and the the concept of is that translatable uh, into AI, and obviously started delving deeper into that, and then found found a company who were were looking for someone to help them grow a, an, an AI data service, which was mm -hmm. Twine AI. Um, and so because of that interest ex externally, I uh, actively promoted myself to them and was uh, fortunate enough to to get in at, at the ground floor, so to speak. So I I, when I introduced you, I mentioned that Twine AI is a global data collection services and mm -hmm. it's audio and visual, and we've noted that it's the raw content. Mm -hmm. Can you explain a little bit more about what Twine AI is doing and, and why, you know, with you joining the company, you obviously saw a connection between what you were doing in your, your psychology degree, mm -hmm. but a little bit more about what Twine AI is doing and why it's different. So, so basically, Twine AI grew out of a freelance network, essentially, mm -hmm. for, for creative freelancers. And um, we were uh, approached with an idea of could we um, provide a, a, a lot of participants for, for visual data, primarily, um, producing just, just videos that would then be annotated of, of doing specific activities and so on. And, and what, uh, what they saw was that could we do this on a global scale? Is this something that, that companies are going to need? Because with a, a network of over half a million freelancers that are, are located across you know, 190 countries, we can really show that we can diversify that data and we can we can make sure that everything is consented and, and that the, the data that is being used is really progressing the the valuable work that's being done with with AI in both a research capacity and, and on a product level as well. Um, so in, in terms of that, that raw data, we will spec get specifications from people and, and fully understand exactly what the aims of, of this data and what the aims of the model are, and then produce this data with those with specific participants, giving clear instructions and making sure that that, that data is usable and can be built upon and, uh, and scaled as, as much as need be to ensure that we, we are making that difference and that uh, 
that the models are truly representative of of who they want to be representative of, not just a a, a very small uh, amount of people. So is your company collecting the data and then enabling customers to use the raw data or are you using the data to support the products or services that you you're developing we we specifically so essentially we are the people who who bring the participants essentially so um we work with companies who have specific requirements um in relation to training their models and we understand exactly what those aims are for for that model mm -hmm. um and we ensure that either the audio or visual data that is produced is according to those those specifications and and one of the main things that that companies do come to us for is is to get the the diverse range of people um and and just ensure that that those models are accurate accurately reflecting the range of people that could either use their products or to further any any research that is actually being conducted in specific areas Earlier, you mentioned the divide, the, the, the the diversity, and I mm -hmm. think you said there was over five hundred thousand. Is mm -hmm. that correct? Of, right. of individuals within your network. Mm -hmm. So the the context here is that if I'm if I'm a company looking to collect data instead of trying to go out and and collect it on my own and and recognizing that I may have not a breadth or depth of that data set, which then mm -hmm. I think. Uh, what we're saying here is what opens the door for potential data bias, mm -hmm. then what I hear from you is you're collecting data, utilizing this network of 500,000 individuals, mm -hmm. which on its own sounds like it's it's solving some of the diversity aspects that you feel that your your customers have a challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and and the the great thing uh, about Twine AI is because because obviously we do have that access to those participants. Um, we have made sure that that diversity is is our watchword as well. Mm -hmm. um, so our uh, participants have the option to identify as as part of a unique group if they want to, and um, they have they can actually get information on specific um, projects that, that may require people from those specific groups as well. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's not a basis that, you know, people can say, oh, well, I'm only being used for this. It's just if they are comfortable to do that, then obviously we're happy to represent the, the diverse range of, of people that, uh, that are, are participating in those data sets. But it does give them the opportunity to work within a specific group if those specific projects come up as well. Perhaps you could clarify for me where the data is coming from. So I think where I'm trying to dive deeper in is, is the data coming from those 500,000 individuals mm. or, oh, okay. So the data yeah. itself. Okay. So I think what I, under, what I understand is that you have a requirement from a specific customer. Let's say mm -hmm. it's, you know, financial data and they need to see it globally and you've got this representation of 500,000 individuals who are responding to a series of questions or surveys in order to collect that data. 
Is yes, that 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 could okay. be one scenario. Another okay. scenario could be, for example, um, that you need um, facial recognition images, and you need people mm. to uh, across different different genders. You know, the, the uh, different races, what whatever it is you need, um, and you need people to produce video of them literally moving their head in certain circumstances we mm -hmm. we we can do that and make sure that that there is a breadth and representation of of global communities um with regard to that so it very much depends upon the the requirements that particular clients have um but once we we have that that information they um we give the instructions to the participants as to what needs producing so if for example uh an audio data set's required and it's required in french for example, um, and it's command sentences or whatever it may be, we make sure that those recordings are produced. We we vet those recordings as well to make sure they accord with those instructions mm -hmm. and, and we deliver that data um, to the client as required um, and, and they will sign it off and, and everybody's everyone's happy. And then with the, you know, looking at the opposite, you said audio, looking at the audio, it's mm -hmm you know, representation of all the different uh, nuances in mm -hmm. the language or the, um, the accents, you know, like my yes. accent is, is definitely not UK, but yours is, is. So. <laughs> my, mine is very Northern UK as well. So, ah, uh, <laughs> point. so, so we get, we, in, in that regard, um, because of the, the diversity of the network, the, we're, we're able to, to work with accent work. I know mm -hmm. uh, quite a few companies have stipulations rega regarding like Scottish accents because there is such variation in that mm -hmm. and and in in England in in general um, there, there are a lot of different ones there but it just it varies from region to region and because of that and because we have not only the existing network that we work with but also the capability to expand that network um, into into areas and and people who who know people as well um because of that it really just builds on on that capability and and an ability to really diversify in terms of not only language but also mm -hmm. in terms of, of video demographics as well you we've talked a little bit about 500,000 individuals which mm -hmm. you know on the surface sounds like quite a bit but in your explanation just a moment ago recognizing that just within just within the US or just within uh, the UK nuances between you know, northern UK and and southern UK or maybe over in Wales or you know across the water mm -hmm. is 500,000 enough I mean, do you still feel that there's maybe some gaps where there's opportunities for expanding and improving? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and by no means are we saying that that is the, the finite number. Mm -hmm. um, as, as I've just said, um, what we can do and what we have the, the capability to do is to expand that, that reach in terms of of like specific uh, accents or or regions of places that that we need um we can do that it's it's not something that that is 
a, a finite number and we only use those half a million, uh, half a million people um, because the network has grown the way that it's grown and, and our participants are from that network. It gives that capability to expand into that and, and the sky is the limit in, in, in relation to that. So we will have the, the capabilities to make those connections and, and get that data there. Amanda, could you give me some examples of a real world case study? On, on which one? On audio, visual? I'd, I'd <laughs> love to hear one of each if, if possible. That'd be great. So um, in, in terms of audio data, um, we had um, a specific person we were working with who needed to recognize uh, commands to, to particular systems, but needed to recognize those in, in various different languages, in various different volume levels. Um, mm. So essentially what, what we had to do was have recordings from people saying, say, five command words. Um, and then they would do that at a position of 0.2 meters, 0.5, one meter. And, and I think the, the furthest length was, was two meters, if I recall. Um, and we had to do that in in various different languages so we had french german um and um one of the indian ones which mm -hmm. uh, which off the top of my head i i can't remember at this point um but um and we were working with them on that in terms of that so that they could could obviously train their uh, their audio systems in that regard um which was which was really successful and and be continuing working in that vein um and in terms of a visual one oh we we've had so so quite a lot of visual ones actually um mm -hmm. and i think one of the ones that that we work with so we need object recognition so um we've we've done a lot with um filming things like how how using kettles and 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 different uh kitchen appliances and and we've also um we've had a few for like i said the the facial recognition ones particularly um during during covid we've had um having to recognize faces at, at distances in different lighting aspects um also at different camera angles so from above from the side um and and basically getting those those produced so that um, models can recognize as well when when people are wearing face masks or glasses or any form of, of facial covering. Um, so so we've worked quite a bit in in that as well. I, I think what I find very unique about your your company and your scenario is that if I look at this from the opposite side, so now I'm going to look at it from a potential customer. If I'm a potential customer and I'm looking to work with you to pull in some of that data, just simply because I don't know how to get access to this kind of data. And it sounds like you you are the ones that can help facilitate that. But maybe I don't know all the things that I should know. And, and you've just covered a few of them. You know, for example, specifically with audio, recognizing that audio should be 
up close or further away or at different volumes or different words. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you can provide to some of our listeners that are in that data science, you know, early stages of the data collections and they're looking at, and let's talk about maybe audio first, what are some of the things that they need to be thinking about in some of the, the features and the variables? So <laughs> precisely that. Um, so one of the things that, that we do on our exploratory conversations, um, and particularly when we're speaking to, to startup companies um, mm -hmm. and, and new models is that, that we want to understand the ultimate aim. So if, if your aim with your audio is to get, get people to get something to be able to recognize a voice command of a specific user or owner. Um, then the, the things that we do is look at exactly what that journey is as a user and discuss that with you. So, so for example, the, the distance of, of being able to uh, recognize that, that particular person's voice, um, would you need to think about whether their voice will be muffled? So would you like some recordings where maybe someone's hand is over their mouth to, to do that? Um, would you look at um, if if there if if a particular angle would affect it? If there mm -hmm. is um, external noise, uh, would would you want that to be cancelled out for your model, or would you want that that to happen? Uh, one of the the data sets, for example, that that we worked with, we discovered we wanted the noise of like a, a kettle boiling or a, a TV in the background because those things happen in real world situations and a, and a model will need to be able to distinguish that so that it can recognize the, the person speaking. Um, so it's, it's thinking about, and it's a very personal, personal thing really about what you're hoping to achieve. And because Twine AI is, is very people focused, um, I suppose we maybe think about this in a, in a, a a more, a more, I want to say diverse way, but I suppose um, in in a, a little bit more layperson way sometimes, um, because we think about exactly the scenarios that we would encounter if we were using something, um, and and it gives that that very unique standpoint rather than having the technical aspect, which we also go into as well, but having that that capability to just say okay we're going to be using real world people and mm -hmm. and these are going to be the things that that will muffle a recording or or may interrupt so if you want to make these stipulations that that data is in a soundproof room or or anything like that and that there's nothing obstructing that particular recording then uh, then those stipulations need to be made and it's something that is is a an interesting exercise at, at the beginning of, of any uh, particular requirement because it's it's these little things that crop up such as crumpling paper or the post box opening or whatever mm. it is it's mm -hmm. it's it's that uh, that that needs to be taken into account because these are going to be what what users of a particular product are going to experience in real life and and the model needs to reflect and recognize that. That's quite brilliant. That's brilliant. So as a, a follow on, Amanda, 
we've talked a lot about the, the data collection, collecting the data, the 500,000 plus resources, um, mm -hmm. the nuances, some of the, the kind of the, the lessons learned that, that folks can think about when they're looking at the collection of raw data. But the other aspect to this that we haven't covered is the ethical component of sourcing that data. So as a company, you know, you're that middle person between the raw data that's being collected and what the customer is looking at, you know, from their requirements. What is Twine AI doing to ensure the ethical component of that data? So firstly, we're, we're making sure that obviously we're understanding exactly what, what this data is, is going to do and, and where that's going to be utilized, um, which is, is key. Um, and then what we're actually doing is we provide full instructions, as, as I've said, to, um, to the participants within, within these collections. Um, but what we make sure that they do is they understand exactly what the purpose of this data is exactly what how the data will be used so whether it's for research purposes or whether it's for commercial purposes um and that they they are happy to to produce data in relation to that um and also that we we make sure that once that data is actually produced that it is stored correctly as well um, so that people know that that when they have produced this, it's not going to be something that is is going to be misused. I think we've we've seen um, quite a lot in 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 data uh, specifically for for training AI models that uh, that there is this. Um, penchant, I suppose, um, to to scrape data. Uh, from particular places without obtaining people's consent to use their images or to use their voice or or anything like that and uh, and that shouldn't be it, it shouldn't be the case um and it's it's very much making sure that that the data that is produced for for the company but also that the people who are participating in these products no uh, collections are uh, ensuring that they know where this is going to go um, and it's it's not going to be misused they know exactly how it's to be used and when you mentioned they know is they meaning the individuals you're collecting the data from or is they meaning the customer that you're collecting the data for both Okay. <laughs> so, so essentially, a a client will um, have the opportunity to to approve those those consent forms. Okay. Um. So, so we agree exactly what's going to go into them and and exactly where where that data is going to be used. And then once um once that's confirmed with the client, then the participants will be asked before they even start collecting to, to review that consent form and the instructions that are given re regarding the actual project itself um, and make sure that they agree that um, to, to the use of their image or their voice or whatever specifically it is um, and, and where that's going to be used. So we make sure that that is done before they even start collecting. One of the examples that I wanted to outline for you is a scenario where the data is being collected. And, and mm -hmm. I mention this because you've, you've used the word raw content quite often. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, as we look at that, that data collection process, once the data is collected, there's often additional steps that are changing the data, whether it's being labeled, segmented, um, enriched, um, if it potentially could be with, with audio or visual. And, and then oftentimes that data then goes into those AI testing, you know, training models. And then sometimes we find that the purpose of the data somehow changes or the intent of what the data was going to use somehow changes in the testing process. Mm -hmm. So your early on, you know, data collection is at the very beginning of those stages. Mm -hmm. Do you have a role at any point after the data has been been handed off? Or do you uh, provide any guidance into, you know, and, I see you smiling, so yeah. I'm just going to, or do you provide guidance to the customer? Let me just. We, we absolutely, it's, it's not just something that we, you know, send over the data and then, you know, job's done. And unless, mm -hmm. unless that is, is what's required. Um, but we, we can also provide those, those annotation services. So, um, so, so we do, we do get involved in that, uh, should they be required. Um, and and in, in terms of, of, of guidance and, and changing the data, in, in terms of, of that, it is very much agreed for a specific use and a specific purpose. If uh, there needs to be um, different scenarios done or, or, or there is a, a change that is massively different to what has been consented to and, and agreed in terms of those specifications, then that would be an, an additional requirement and additional data would be required for that. I think it, we need to be very careful in, in a, a, an age such as we're living in, and particularly in terms of, of, of using um, people's people data um uh because you know our, our image and and our identity are, are very important and and very private things uh to to a lot of people and I, I think with with having those consents we we need to make sure that those are abided by and that is one thing that that we do advise in in relation to to companies that that we work with uh, and institutions that we work with is that we need to be very specific about how this data is used and if you anticipate that 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 is going to change at any point then the the consents must always be modified and, and redone because there is a, a fundamental change to how this is being done and people need to agree to that i think this is a good segue into your expertise in in this area what are some things you know what are a couple of bullet points that you can provide advice within you know so again going back to similar to the question we had with audio mm -hmm. if i'm looking to work with you and i may be new in this area but i, I really need to collect the data and utilize some of the, the the expertise you have what are some of the things that you could help me in understanding how to ensure that I maintain that ethical and responsible sourcing of the data. I think I mean by no means uh, can can I can I comment in in relation to any particular uh, legal minutiae. Right. Um, but but with but with regard to generally uh, in in terms of this, you've got to look at 
the the wording of of how you you make these consents and mm. and that you and that they have to cover the scenarios that you want them to cover um it's it's no use saying a when actually you need a b and c you need to really spell out very plainly exactly what you you're intending to use this data for um, and if there is, you know, a, a fundamental change during the collection um, and, and you're wanting to use it a different way, then then, yes, of course, you need to you need to ask these people to, to utilize that because you are still using that that data there. And I think the thing is, and 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 again to refer it back to you know people being the objects of, of all this wonderful data, um, you know, you need to relate it back to ultimately if you would want to to know where your data was going from, which you obviously would, um, then if there was a fundamental change to that, you would want to know that too and, and agree to it. If you haven't agreed to it, then there is a risk that, that you're going to fall foul of, uh, of, of using data that's, that's not permitted in that scenario. So um, always just be very mindful of, of the subjects um, that are working with you and, and obviously where you're going to do that. And if there is a change of circumstance, it is better just to outline it straight away and, uh, and, and get that consent obtained. No, I think that's, I think that's quite good. I think, um, I think that's going to be very helpful for a lot of the folks listening. The last thing I wanted to do before we wrapped up is Oftentimes we talk about how to maintain responsible sourcing. We talk about ensuring that the, that it's explainable and, and more specifically transparency. And mm -hmm. we really focus on the need to develop, um, sometimes we call it a data fact sheet, but recognizing what's the data being collected, what are some of the assumptions that were made when the data was collected, maybe what's missing in the data. As you pull together these data collection services, is developing that data fact sheet a part of that, or is that something that you collaborate with your your customer with? So, one of one of the things, and and one of the best parts of discussing Twine AI is mm -hmm. that we have a fabulous project management team, um, and basically what they do is they will work with you on a on a daily basis with regard to these data collections so mm -hmm. they they sort out all the consents they make sure that the instructions are abided by they they vet the data as well according to those specifications and are basically on hand to have a feedback loop with you um and and make sure that if if we review the the data store and you see that you have maybe a, a higher conservation of male participants to female participants for example mm -hmm. they will discuss that with you and maybe dial down the the male participants and up the female ones so so it, it really does it, give that transparency uh in in relation to to the collections and and also if there is a change in as we've just been discussing mm -hmm. with regard to consents um they will make sure that 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 is padded out with you and and sent to the right people for for the data that you want to perhaps change the usage of so it really does 
form a, a partnership in that and and in terms of production of, of metadata generally uh, they will make sure that everything that is needed uh, to to go into uh, the model for for the algorithms and, and everything else is is all available there and they make sure that that's delivered in exactly the way uh, that's that's agreed with with particular clients so it does give that that absolute transparency as to where they're at and and where you you need to be in terms mm -hmm. of that collection well amanda we are coming to a an up coming to that point in time where we need to wrap up is there anything that you'd like to leave behind any um advice that somebody who's out there thinking wow i didn't realize that there was all these little things i needed to think about i think I think we are at an interesting point in mm -hmm. in our uh, in our, our evolution, not only as a species, but in the in the way that that we deal with with data generally, specifically mm -hmm. with regard to models. And I think the thing is, ultimately, think about how people are going to utilize how your your model is going to affect how somebody utilizes something and and the the steps that that you would need to take in in the simplest of things and you would be surprised how many different steps there are and and to have somebody be able to guide and support you through that and and kind of not take that away but support you in making sure all those steps are available is is really important and and just have that support and and guidance there and and you won't go far wrong yeah no i thank you so much for your time today i i i really appreciate you you know providing with some lessons learned um some bullet points that i think there's a lot here to unpack and to really think through um and, and this was great thank you thank you again Thank you very much. Thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure.